This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Does it feel like every time that you turn around now, you're paying a fee on something you buy, and yet you have no idea what these fees are really associated with, whether it be a retirement account or tickets to a concert or a game? It's a trend that allows companies to lower the cost of the base item and yet be able to reach the margin that they were looking for in the first place. But this move by companies may be having a greater impact than even most people understand. In fact, our next guest says that it may be part of the reason why the economy has slowed a touch and why the middle in- middle class is being impacted. Devin Furcus is the author of Land of the Fee, Hidden Costs and the Decline of American the American Middle Class. And Devin joins us right now. Devin, welcome. Thank you, Dan, for for having me on. I appreciate it. Do you, I mean, you, I would imagine you see this a lot, and, and I notice it, uh, especially when I buy tickets to a, a game or a concert event, that these fees and when you travel somewhere on a plane, these fees seemingly are endless at this point. No, absolutely right, Dan. They're, they're endless. And also, um, I mean, I, I, the analogy I use is sort of like um, ingredients in a, in a cake. Uh, they're impossible to sort of sift out. And so, uh, I mean, you're on a college campus, um, you're at least affiliated with the uh, uh, University of Pennsylvania or, or any college campus, there are these things called tuition and fees. Yes. Um, and, again, you can't opt out of those fees. Uh, at the university I teach at, um, if a student tries to opt out of a fee, he will not have a seat in the classroom. And, and, and so um, these fees ostensibly at some level might seem optional, uh, but, but uh, again, they're, they're really sort of part of the requirement. Uh, and my research sort of looks at, primarily the ways in which these fees function and operate within spheres of upper mobility in America. So, I mean, fees have been around for, for a long period of time, but but realistically, it feels like it's the last maybe 10 years or so, maybe 15, where th- these fees have really kicked in even more so, correct? No, ab- absolutely right. Um, and really what sort of happened, sort of in a, almost in the last 30 years has been, um, a, a loosening of, of, of federal oversight of, of fees. Um, and then, as you sort of mentioned, the last sort of 10 or 15 years, really, I, I would sort of say in 10 years sort of leading up to to the Great Recession, we see an explosion of fees. Again, these fees are tied to increasing deregulatory policy, which is the decrease of oversight of, of financial institutions and how they interact and behave with consumers. Um, and, and so that, in part, sort of explains the rise of fees. Um, um, as one um, um, uh, former Fed governor sort of said, it's kind of like removing the the, um, the police off the beat. And when you take the police off the beat, you often find examples of, of, of predatory behavior. Um, and that predatory behavior can be uh, between a financial institution and individual or can be between um, a, um, someone who's acting on the margins of society and, a, and, and some, some citizen passing by. Um, but when you move the, the police off the beat, uh, you often find um, abusive and predatory behavior. How specifically are you seeing this impact uh, citizens right now, consumers, and, and as you lay out in the book, the middle class as well? Sure. Um, I mean, well, I mean, the, the, the clearest example um, is the impact of the rise of um, student loans, I, I, w- I would sort of argue, um, and the fees that are associated with the student lo- with student loans. Um, in what you find actually in 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 court decisions and since the 80s is that um, companies play a sort of a, um, a 
a shell game. Uh, when when it's in their favor, they want to define these um, these uh, fees as fees. And when it's, um, they want to define them as fees and not as interest rates, because um, they believe that fees often go outside of regulatory oversight. Um, with interest rates, you have a thing known as um, usury, um, and usury often gets caught up under under both state and federal oversight in ways in which fees often don't. Uh, and so, what you find in terms of um, student loans is that. Um, student loans are often associated uh, with a, a rising cost of fees, and these are pre- fees which you get charged for um, for, for paying, paying a student loan late or fees which are charged for origination fees, which are originally in part used to offset the, um, a, a budgetary issues for the federal government. And so fees coupled with, with interest rates, and, and as I mentioned before, um, these interest rates, um, um, again, um, are often get conflated with fees. Um, meaning that the, the the fees plus these charges often outstrip the actual principle of a of a of a of a student loan, and so what you find is that um, individuals um, pay three and four times the cost of a actual student loan because of interest and fees, and and so we think of college as a, as a space of of a great social leveling, um, particularly in a sort of in the last few decades, at least post forty five. In reality, these colleges are increasingly sites of um, of greater greater inequality. Uh, I, I've also worked with um, several um, um, think tanks around the country, and, and and one of the things that they've noticed is that for working class Americans, um, the biggest debt um, complaint that they have is not a, a payday lender or 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 high um, interest rate for car car notes or even a mortgage loan, but is actually Predatory student lenders um, for both the public, for primarily, primarily the for-profit sector, and so in the student loan industry in particular, um, uh, we see a rising cost of fees and 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 and, um, and, and charges, and and I think that really stands out because higher education is, as I mentioned before, is this site of upper mobility uh, for Americans ostensibly, um, and it's been de- decreasingly been that way actually. So, what do you think needs to occur to be able to maybe turn the turn the ship on this a little bit, turn the narrative on it to to try and either rein in the ability of colleges, businesses, et cetera, to be able to use these fees. I mean, part of that, as you said, it, it, it was started because of a, a loosening of regulation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like we're going to see a loosening of regulation anytime in the, in the immediate future, but it probably then should be something that should be addressed by our leaders coming up in the, in the next decade. Yeah, well, actually, I think uh, we're actually um, drifting back toward a loosening regulation. Um, I'm a historian by training, um, and I think of the, the famous analog that FDR used in the aftermath of the Great Recession, where he tells a story. Uh, it's just more of a sort of an um, anecdote than analog. He tells a story of a, of, a, of a man who falls into the water. This other guy goes in to save him. Um, and the wealthy man who falls into the water, um, another person goes in to save him, saves him from drowning. Um, a man thinks him profusely on the spot. But then a few years later, comes back and berates him for not saving his hat. And so, uh, FDR's point is that the short-term memory of, of of individuals, particularly individuals who are who are in trouble. And and so, yes, in the, in the aftermath of the Great Recession, um, citizens, taxpaying citizens, actually via the through the federal government, saved industry and saved business. Uh, but now we see a, a reshift and a reaggressive behavior toward pushing back and rolling back on um, consumer protection policy. Um, most notably with Dodd, the Dodd-Frank Act. 
and and so and so we um people have forgotten um what what sort of happened in the last i mean in the run up to the great recession um and so how do you rein this back in i mean I think one way in which we can sort of rein actually this back in is is by um really um a higher uh, sort of more shared responsibility in terms of cost um, particularly for higher education um one one example concrete example of that could be perhaps a graduate a graduation tax or a graduate hmm. tax and where you tax um um individuals not for coming to college i.e. through the rise of student loans like that but you actually tax those individuals who graduate from college and that graduation tax can be a graduate can be a graduate tax or a graduate graduate tax so uh, or i could say a more means tested tax and so the tax might increase a little bit uh, the more money you earn um, and so that would be a much for a fair um practice um rather than taxing um individuals via student loans who who come into college um uh, again i teach at a university uh, I, I i used to use i mean the example uh, coming to the classroom first year students look to your left look to your right one of you won't be here four years from now. They yeah. What it suggests that analog suggests is that is that your peers in the classroom, right? Um, but the argument put forward about student loans now is that um, is that this isn't this is a much better investment for the person who's coming into college and to go to college, and then for someone who's unable to get a college degree. That's that's not the proper um, analogy because once you get accepted to college. Your peer is no longer the person who didn't get accepted, i.e., that person back in high school. Your peer in the, cl- in the classroom is that person sitting next to you. And so, to to uh, I mean to to basically to to continue that 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 viewpoint would be to have a graduate tax. So individuals who graduate from college yeah. again, can can share that cost. One of the other uh, sectors which obviously is is very much involved in this is the financial sector and whether it be the banks or investment firms or credit card companies this is an industry that 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 seemingly does very well off of fees right now no absolutely and um and what and and it's for me it's difficult to decouple this argument about the rise of fees from the growing influence of the donor class on on policies and they, they, for me the, the the example would be um, the rise of mortgage lending for mortgage lending fees, and we see it, which really sort of get codified in the early 1980s. They do, it doesn't really take off for various reasons until the late 1990s, early 2000s. Um, but it really gets codified nationally in the early 1980s through a couple of pieces of legislation. Um, one is known as the Garn St. Germain Act. Um, and the Garden Station Main Act basically enables um, lenders to to hot charge higher interest rates, but also to do things like to charge prepayment penalties, to charge um, uh, balloon payments, and to charge um, adjustment rate mortgages as well across the national board. Now these things existed, but they weren't codified nationally until the passage of the Garden Station Main Act. Um, and they get codified nationally because. Uh, the the financial sector, the financial industry, these lobbyists are actually giving major funding and kickbacks to the architects of the bill. Um, and the guy, uh, uh, a senator from Utah named Jake Garn, uh, a congressman from uh, from um, uh, from New England, 
uh, Rhode Island, uh, named Fernand St. Germain. Now, this is a poor example of bipartisanship because Jake Garner is a conservative from Utah and and St. Germain is a, is a progressive from Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, but they're receiving kickbacks uh, in order to fund um, the, the bill that the lobbyists want. Uh, and that, that bill that lobbyists want does not redound to the benefit of the consumer, redounds to the benefit of, of the financial industry. And, it, and it's the origins of really the rise of subprime lending, um, the subprime mortgage. We are joined by Devin Fergus, who is the uh, author of The Land of the Fee, Hidden Costs and the Decline of the American Middle Class. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So, I mean, especially over the last decade and especially coming back uh, off of the recession, having these fees around, uh, how much... Realistically, how much do you think they have impacted the middle class in terms of loss of wealth, loss of ability to expand, whether it be uh, their their spending or the homes that they buy or the education they get? How significant do you think it has been maybe to the level of an element of, of a percentage of GDP in this country because of it? Sure. I mean, I mean, it's contributed. It's extracted over. I mean, over, over the, the life of these fees and charges and payments, it's extracted over a trillion dollars of wealth um, from, from, from the pocketbooks of Americans. And, and, and again, I'm going to go back to this student loan because I think it's, it's so important and so critical, A, because it's considered to be like the, uh, for the, act, the passport of mobility um, in contemporary America. Uh, and that student but that student loan has all kind of hidden costs. And I'll give you an example. So you take out a student loan uh, for, for, let's say, uh, over four years for $80,000. That increases one's debt-to-income ratio. And in increasing one's debt-to-income ratio, it lowers one's credit score. Yeah. And by lowering one's credit score, it means that you also are going to be charged higher interest rates and fees for other consumer loan products, um, i.e. a mortgage. And so um, it's it's... It's really a, a false argument to, to, to just look at a, a student loan as a 10-year investment because it, 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 carries the loan, it carries throughout the life of the actual borrower, um, throughout the home mortgage loan, throughout the, a, a auto loan. And, and so it, it really does saddle the, uh, the consumer what? Um, with, oh. with additional costs well beyond uh, hidden costs, which are well beyond what's actual visible at the, at the actual moment you're, you're signing on a dotted line or filling out that FAFSA form. How did we get to the point where fees have become more a part of the retail sector? And, and obviously you could talk about a variety of different areas where, as I you know, mentioned at the beginning, when you go to a concert now, I mean, obviously there's two or three fees that are built into the, into the price of, of the concert or the sporting event. Uh, you know, hotels, uh, you know, occupancy fees. It's, it's unbelievable that, that this has just exploded as much as it has even in the retail sector? So that's a great question. I mean, I would sort of say um, a couple of reasons why. Um, one is sort of, I mean, it's sort of a, um, a sort of sleight of hand by industry. Um, there's a desire to keep base price, a base price low. And, and so by simply saying this is the base price for a particular product, uh, as, you, as you begin to, uh, whether you go on the website or 
actually goes uh, physically and I mean at a, at a bricks and mortar, you see a base price that's that's low. You think you think that's your getting. So it's almost like a, a, a teaser rate of some sort. Um, and so it's it's a way to keep the base price low and then to add on costs later. So that's one of the incentives. I'll say so. The second incentive, second reason is, it's a way the industry can also claim disclosure. Um, uh, and disclosure has been used as a way in which to say we're providing the consumer with transparency and detailed information. Uh, we're making letting them make the choice and make the decision at some level. So it's a way in which to, uh, uh, an industry or business can claim disclosure, financial disclosure of information, um, even though it, it lards the consumer with more cost and more price. Um, and so I, I would say those are two of the major reasons why um, you, you, again, you do see this sort of, sort of seemingly explosion of fees and charges. Um, and I, I would sort of say that's the private sector. And the public sector functions the same sort of way. And in, in, in the in the lead-in, you, you you spoke quite well about the ways in which um, um, it, it helps to 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 increase the hold the margin for for the private sector. Yeah. For the public sector, it helps to generate and raise revenue. Yeah. Um, and so research sort of shows suggests that um, in the last generation or so, almost seventy-five, at least seventy-five percent of all revenue has been generated not through taxes, but through the rise of fees and fines. Um, and, and so it's a way in which um, uh, uh, the public sector can can raise revenue without claiming to raise taxes. Well, and uh, and realistically, it, it is a tax it, in, in many tax. cases. Yes, absolutely, and, and not simply is it, it's a tax, was often a tax on those who can't who are or not in a position to opt out of a fee, or opt out of a charge. And so, so if it, you think about the the um, the George uh, Bush uh, election where he said no new taxes, right? Um, right. And then what does he do? He, he increases the taxes, and he, and he loses the the election in '92 to Bill Clinton. Right? We we see the the, the fallout of, of saying that I'm going to increase your taxes, but there's no there's no real fallout of saying I'm going to increase your fees. Um, no one yeah. takes that on. So, yeah. What do you think it, it, then with all of these seemingly? I, I don't think there's an end to them. What is the future of fees in, in, in all that we deal with? Um, the, the future seems. Uh, seems bright. Um, I, I would sort of argue, um, and particularly because it seems bright because there's a lack of political will to regulate the industries and businesses um, that are increasingly large in their population and consumers with fees. And until you have a greater political will to to rein in these these fees and these costs, um, the future is bright. And so, um, there 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 trade reports, industry reports, for instance, which talk about, let's say, petty lending industry, which, uh, again, is notorious for actually having more more revenue generated by fees than, than by principal. Um, and, so, and so industry reports suggest that the petty lending industry, if the regulatory bar is low, is going to make um, an incredible amount of profit. Uh, why? Because, again, it generates so much money from fees. And so... And so because we live in a climate now, a gilded age of deregulation, uh, we can only expect that these fees will increase and go even higher and, and, and go unchecked. Devin, thank you very much for your time today. Greatly appreciate it. Great job done on the book. And we look forward to talking to you again down the road. Sounds great, Dan. Take care. Thank you. Devin Fergus. The book is Land of the Fee, Hidden Costs, and the Decline of the American Middle Class. 
For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.